Today, there are two million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes filles et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays étrangers. This is the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. My name is Jesse Bardo, and for this episode, I am speaking with Tim Beaulieu. And this is a particularly cool uh, episode for me, actually. I'm going to introduce it this way, because in the law, it's kind of fun. There's a concept called uh, but-for causation. This is bringing me back to evil law school days. But in a negligence case, there's an actual thing where you consider whether the injury would have happened but for the actions of a defendant. And I'm bringing this up because... But for the work of Tim Bolio, there would be no French-Canadian Legacy podcast today. He's a big reason why I got back and connected uh, with my French-Canadian ancestry, got spoken about this and talking to others because of the work he's done. Tim Bolio is on the Board of Trustees for the Franco-American Center, headquartered in Manchester. He was recently recognized as one of the union leaders, 40 under 40. And from those not from New Hampshire, this is a really, really big deal. The New Hampshire union leader is by far the state of New Hampshire's most widely circulated paper. It's the only newspaper circulated statewide, and every year the paper recognizes 40 people under the age of 40 that are selected from across the state who are making a difference to their communities and professions. He has been published in the Le Forum, really awesome publication actually affiliated with the Franco-American Center at the University of Maine. And for the main topic of today's episode, Tim is the man behind the New Hampshire Puts In Fest. Welcome, Tim Bolia. Thank you very much for talking with us, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Okay, first basic question. Where are you from? Um, my hometown. Originally, we were born in Massachusetts. My parents moved up here in the 80s. So Nashua is my hometown, Nashua, New Hampshire. And I live in you know, southern New Hampshire still. How much of an impact was French-Canadian heritage, French-Canadian identity in your life growing up? Like, were you surrounded by it at all? It was there, but it was kind of invisible. In Nashua, every, there were lots of French-Canadian names statues, clubs, things like that, but I really didn't notice it. I, it was just kind of that was there. Didn't know how it got there and just kind of assumed that's the way things were. That's kind of, that was my only real exposure to it. Sure. Now, I mean, obviously I made an assumption there. I want to make sure to verify. I've been using the term French Canadian. Is that correct? Or you preferred Franco-American? You know, Franco, either one is fine. I like French Canadian better because it ties it back to the, the home country. You know, either one is fine. It, it would probably would properly be Franco-American. Either one's fine with me. We brought up that, you know, was it a giant part of like your day-to-day existence growing up? Um, you're, right. you know, somewhat familiar with your French-Canadian identity, but it's not like something you talked about frequently with your folks or with your brothers or anything like that. So how do right. we get from that point to where you are today, where yeah. you devote an insane amount of time every <laughs> single year to promoting this Franco-American, French-Canadian culture? <laughs> Maybe a little insanity. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. My grandfather's kind of where it kicked off. You know, I, I he moved to Nashua when he was very almost near death, like a few years away from when he passed away. And I got a lot closer with him when he moved to New Hampshire. And I started to hear some stories I hadn't really heard before. He was just kind of letting it all out of his life. Trips back up to Canada, frozen split pea soup, like <laughs> the, hanging out with Micmac Indians, all kinds of things I didn't. I had never been exposed to. For all I knew, we were from France. And like when I was in school, oh. that was the French that I kind of associated with. I didn't really know. I knew Quebec was there, like if you point on a map, but I didn't really associate with it. 
so him passing and like those stories and then I kind of, you know, noticed things. They weren't saying your name right. There's a big rivalry in New England with the Boston Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens and kind of a weird connection. But I would see shirts that would insult French Canadians that would, were basically like slurs against them, like against the, the arrival, like you see with the sure. Yankees. But they yep. were very ethnic driven and it bothered me. To see that, that kind of thing that started to really kind of pique my interest. And then I went, we got, when I got married to my wife, this is probably in 2010, okay. we went to Bermuda on a cruise and there were a whole bunch of Quebecois, which are French Canadians like us, but that's the term when you're from in Quebec right. and you're French Canadian that needed help. And I wanted to help them, but I couldn't. All I could do, I didn't speak the, their language. All I could say was I showed them my ID and said, I'm French Canadian. I want to help you. Here's how you get to the beach. Um, <laughs> So that's it awesome. just kind of started to grow. Yeah, that's kind of where it started. That's kind of the spark. Now, you mentioned your grandfather. Was he born in Quebec? He's first generation Franco-American. He's the first generation born in the United States. Gotcha. So it was his uh, parents there. Yes, his parents were born. My great Now, I know a little bit about my grandmother's side a little bit. She's from Worcester, but her family's from Quebec. My great-grandfather's side, his side, I know the actual village they're from, where he was baptized and when they came down. Awesome. Um, so he, they came to Salem, Mass, and I just around 1900. Okay, very cool. Now we left off on a beach somewhere, <laughs> and now <laughs> we need to go from a beach to getting connected with the Franco-American Center. What would have been the next step in this progression? How did that happen? It's interesting. You know, it always kind of stayed in the back of my mind. At that point, I wanted to get involved, but I honestly was afraid because of the language barrier. I was afraid that if I tried to reach out, they wouldn't want to work with someone who was English. And I didn't even know the term Anglophone until I started reading French Canadian newspapers. I didn't know what that was. Sure. And I'd always wanted to be involved in, in some way, but I didn't think they'd take me. Then, and probably the year before I got involved with the Franco-American Center, my mother-in-law, who was very big into genealogy, and I, we used to connect on this. Sure. She passed away. There's a whole bunch of things she just never did. I said, you know, maybe it's time to take action and, and join. And I looked for organizations and I, there were clubs around. They seemed, you know, very oriented with the language, which is fine. You know, I think that's a good thing. I took Spanish because that's where we're made to take in when you're a kid in New Hampshire. Yeah, exactly. So I re looked at the Franco-American Center and they started to build up a little bit and they had a, a bit of a web presence. But the first thing that caught my eye was the halfway to Mardi Gras that that John Toussignon had put on in probably 2014. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, maybe they're trying something different. And that's when I reached out to John sometime after that. And we you know, started just chatting up ideas. And I kind of hooked on at that point. Awesome. Yeah, I mentioned John Toussignon. That's definitely somebody we're going to be efforting to bring on this podcast because I think his perspective is tremendous. I mean, what he's contributed to Franco-Americans here in uh, New Hampshire, mm -hmm. anyways, off the chart. Okay, now let's transition a little bit to obviously the main topic, <laughs> the puts it fast. For those who may be unaware, and it's hard to believe, but it's possible, Tim. Some may not be aware. What is putsin? <laughs> uh, putsin is uh, French fries, cheese curds, and gravy. It's core elements. You know, it's served with the the cheese still kind of a little cold, the gravy, hot, gravy hot, and the fries hot. You know, it's just a fantastic little uh, uh, comfort food. It is the ultimate yep. comfort food. That's Three right. The ingredients put together, <laughs> they're tremendous. Right. They are tremendous. <laughs> All right. Now, do you know anything about the history? What's the history of Putsin? What does this come from? Sure. So I know, I, I, you know, I've heard the history a little bit. Not, I'm not the best historian on it, but I do know that there's a couple of different stories in Quebec sometime in like the late 1950s, early 1960s, where different restaurants kind of just 
came up with it on the fly. There's a couple that I think in Drummondville is where it technically originated from. I forget the name of the restaurant off the top of my head. Uh, oh, Drummondville. I might be saying that wrong. Again, remember, I took Spanish. But I, I do take the wrist slap and I take it seriously. Once I hear it once, I'll fix it. There you go. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so it was a big deal in Quebec from out the gate. It was just a, it started to catch on, you know, into the 70s, 80s. You know, I guess from talking to folks from Quebec who I've connected with, it was really looked down upon by the rest of Canada as like gross and like not a cool thing and like a very Quebecois thing. We don't do that. Somewhere along the line, probably the 80s or 90s, started to become cool. So it was absorbed by the overall Canadian culture. Are they trying? <laughs> no, but before we move on, I, we'll let you get to Do you mind if I just drop in real quick? Because I think it's hilarious yeah. that you bring this point up. Because something that I've noticed is back, because I was a little bit familiar with it in the uh, before it was cool time. At least from my experience, in the before it was cool years, when I would see somebody writing about puts in, it was usually described as a the Quebec dish. Quebec dish. Right. But right. now that it's super awesome and everybody wants to put it on their menu, it's the Canadian dish of puts in. Right. Which I think is hilarious. Right. Yeah, you know, I know. It's it's uh I know that some of my friends from Quebec would call it cultural appropriation. And they are very clear that Quebec is a distinct society from the rest of Canada. To me, it's hard because of Poutine Fest, right? Uh, obviously, the Canadian English media got the message to the United States. Sure. So we're in a battle where we're trying to rewrite the story. So our messaging only says Quebec, and it only has, you know, we like Canada. I like Canada quite a bit, but this is Quebec's thing, and we want to frame it that way for our audience. That's awesome. Now, what in the world made you think that, you know what, I'm going to throw a giant festival we really didn't know what it would be. I, I, I went to Montreal a bunch of times, and I'd seen I'd seen Putin around. Um, you'll see me hear me saying Putin and Putin interchangeably, or Putin, sure. because I deal with an English audience, so I usually use that. Gotcha. Um, Putin. So I'd been to Montreal quite a bit, and that's partly where I got felt more of a connection to my uh, heritage. You know, I looked at the Franco-American Center, and it was a group, and John really brought a new energy to that to that organization. Some people had given up on it. You know, they left. They said this is going to die out. Let's go away. Some people were, they were trying, but they weren't finding the right thing. They have little events that were good, but they couldn't get out of their little group. So I looked at it as there's kind of three different people in life in, in groups. There's losers, winners, and people who haven't figured out how to win yet. I saw the Franco-American Center as a organization that didn't know how to win yet. And I wanted to help them win so they could get money and then do French classes and bring everything back. I had a feeling that Putin looking at like, how it was exploding in Canada was naturally ours to take for Franco-Americans in New England. So that's kind of where I, it's, we never thought it would get this big this fast, but that's kind of where it started. What did you think it would draw when it started? So I went to the board of trustees. I was ready to self-fund the event. And I said, can you guys give me 1800 bucks? <laughs> and can we have 300 people? And they were nervous about it. And again, this is, they had never won. They hadn't been winning, but I'm like, I can do this. Here's the Google data. You know, here's what's going on sure. in Quebec. And they said, OK, and we were preparing for a 300 person. We could probably do way more than we do now if we really pushed it. My wife would kill me. But um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of what we were targeting originally. Gotcha. First of all, how, let's make it clear. How many puts in fest have there been so far? Uh, this this year will be the fourth year. The fourth puts in fest and the first three were held uh, in Manchester at the Northeast Delta Dental Stadium. All right. How did we end up at that location? How did that come about? All right. So this is uh, an interesting one, too. So, um, you know, I had I had sold advertising in Manchester when I was in my early 20s and I s had seen poutine being sell sold at a couple little 
French Canadian places that you know no one kind of went into. I didn't know what it was. It sounded like it was kind of offensive. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I called around to similar places I had sold advertising to back in the day, ven- you know, venues that would host us. And I said, we want to have a poutine fest. Um, you know, a small one. I had actually copied, you know, I guess that's the for- highest form of flattery, the Chicago Poutine Fest. They just are called just Poutine Fest because it seemed like a model that worked. Couple restaurants, you do some samples, I get to try it. And that's what I was trying to pitch. I'd send them the video from Chicago, what that looked like, what we were trying to be, and no one wanted to give us a shot. They're like, you know, I don't think you can do that here. So finally, I'm a, I'm a huge baseball fan. I reached, I reached out to the Fisher Cats. And I'm like, I know they have some of the outfield. That's the, the team that plays the Northeast Delta Dental Stadium. Sure, double A baseball on, team in Manchester. Yep. That's right. And they were, they were on board right away. The director of, uh, of events at the stadium is French, first generation Franco American and was all in from day one. So they were a great partner for the first three years and, and helped us really build it. What time, when is this event held? Because it's held the same, roughly the same time every year, right? Right. Yeah, we hold it in June. It seems kind of crazy to have such a food like that in June. A lot of snow in New England, so I, I don't like the scheduling, but it's also because that's the same weekend as uh, La Fête Nationale in Quebec. Okay, just real quick for those who may not be familiar, what is that? Hol- they're almost Fourth of July, I guess. If you're right, if you're, yeah, if you're from it, Quebec, yeah, it's like their Fourth of July. It's like St. Patrick's Day. Um, I you know I don't think they'd like that. That might be a better but, one. Know, yeah, yeah, might be a better one. John, you know, John the Baptist Day, the patron saint of French Canadians. You know, it was different back in the day, but after like the 1960s, that quiet revolution period in Quebec, it turned more into a secular, basically rage fest, according to my friends from uh, <laughs> Quebec that weekend. It's like the, na- the national holiday of French Canadians. It's kind of what it is. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Very cool. Now, how in the world did you get all these restaurants to buy into your crazy idea? One of our big things is I, you know, I go to events like this. Kind of looking back at the Franco-American Center at the time, now it's changed where we have more young people. They didn't really know how to message things. Sure. So I kind of messaged it in our Facebook and we created this. Well, I'll take a step back. I think Franco-American is a term that I didn't really know. And um, I want to say a lot of people who are French Canadian descent don't know. If the Franco-American Center puts on an event, no one knows what that is, but everyone knows what poutine is. Sure. We broke it off into a separate brand and created a website, Facebook, Twitter. It looked like it was its own thing. Yeah. And we, awesome. we, you know, did big language, you know, just sounded like it was going to be this crazy thing. You know, when we posted the event to Facebook, at the time, the algorithm on Facebook was really loosey-goosey. So people could get <laughs> events, like, real easy. Like, it was, like, the best. It's not like that anymore. Real easy free advertising. So it went viral in New Hampshire, like, overnight and, in, and into the Boston area. The restaurants saw it, and they were coming to us. I had a cold call. We were talking about going into restaurants with a pack. I'm like, I don't have time for that. I got a, I had a young kid at the time. I didn't sure. really have time. But yeah, they came to us and then we reached out to them and they saw we had a presence and they wanted to do it. Oh, that's tremendous. Now, one thing I do want yeah. to mention, because kind of in conjunction with what's in Fest has always been the baseball game. What What is the French Heritage game? Was it about what makes that game unique? Because previously it's always been the same day as the Pacific Fest. The game, we always thought that partnering with the Fisher Cats would help us be with a big organization that had done these things before. So we had a lot we could learn. In my personal life, away from uh, French stuff, I try to surround myself with people who know more than I do. And the Fisher Cats knew a hell of a lot more than we did. So partnering with them, they wanted to have it tied to a game to make, you know, they thought that would be the draw at first when we signed the contracts. Obviously, that reversed. Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. French heritage game is like a game in Montreal. There'll be French music. All the PA is done in French. We have French signage. 
they wear jerseys that um, have Fleur de Lis on them, which has never been done in New Hampshire. I never saw that as a kid. It's, again, our messaging to say we're kind of, if you want to quote Tom Brady, we're still here kind of thing. And <laughs> I love that. Maybe you want to come take a class or reconnect, but it's like showing there's a presence. So, yeah, this year it's a separate day. We decided to keep it because I wanted an event in Man- Manchester is the biggest city in New Hampshire. Probably has the richest Franco-American culture historically. And I just think the city deserves something on that weekend. So for now, that's what we want to do is keep doing that as close to the um, Fet National as possible. Let's go full-fledged hype with SIDFest 2019 (laughs) right now. When I talk about this event, and I talk about it to absolutely anybody I can because it's an absolutely awesome event, the question I get asked most often is, what does my day look like? What do I actually do? What actually happens to me when I show up at Putsidfest? <laughs> if you are a spectator, you buy a ticket, what does your day look like if you get a ticket to Putsidfest? Sure. So we have um, two entry times. We have basically a, we have a premier ticket and a general admission ticket. Premier tickets come in early at 11.30. They get an hour extra time. At uh, 1 o'clock, just about 1 o'clock, I think it's 12.45 actually, the uh, general admission come in. What we're doing there is we're taking the people who we are going to – our target is 10 to 12 vendors. We might actually go up based upon what we're getting for feedback from vendors. For That's restaurants. Yep. You get to sample them. So you get a little passport that they stamp and you get to sample the various vendors have come down. Um, we're also looking to get a couple of food trucks down. We're going to have bands. So it's really just a kind of day to come down and have some poutine party with, with your friends down at, uh, at our new venue. At, that's Anheuser-Busch in Merrimack. It's just kind of like a hangout time. Now, what usually happens is the premier people show up and they like sprint to the to the restaurants. Yep. <laughs> which I don't think you really need to do, but they do that. So we're trying to break that up by having bands and, you know, letting children this year. It used to be really a 21 plus event in the past. We'll have children's activities where they can do crafts and uh, we have ice cream and stuff like that. So it's just kind of like a, a big, a big party, but it circles around Putin and the French Canadian culture. And I think the big thing is here, you show up, you are going to eat yourself a ton of Putin if you buy a ticket is what's going to happen. In, right. In a, in a variety. I think people don't necessarily we, – we talk about, you know, it's got three ingredients. What can you possibly do with three ingredients? You would be shocked at the different right. kind of variety of puts in that you're going to see if you show up to puts in fest. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, there's – and it's interesting. There's like a traditional – people who are traditionalists with it that say it can only be French fries, cheese, curds, and gravy. The curds have to be from a certain farm in Quebec. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, yeah. My, yeah. That's not going to grow – in the United States, we want it to – I'm trying to weave it into the fabric of New England a little bit. And to do that, you have to be part of like the tapestry. To your point, there's what the jalapeno cheese curd poutine, there's right. pulled pork. And this is happening in Quebec too. I have friends who go to um, Poutine Week in Montreal and you're seeing the same stuff we're seeing here. I couldn't eat. I think it ends up being like a pound and a half. <laughs> That's a lot First of like, puts in. That's yeah, puts in. yeah, I could probably, you know, I probably do like five or six vendors myself. But I know that if I'm going to an event, I don't want to feel like I got shortchanged. Sure. So we want them to have every. I want them to get everything. It's all different kinds. And again, like we welcome any. They're sometimes surprised when I say, "Yeah, do whatever you want," because you know they're used to that. Do it the traditional way, and that's it. But I'm like, I couldn't eat twelve of the same thing. You know. Right. <laughs> you you won't have to um, if you show up to put Sidfest. That's for sure. No. Yeah. No. Well. Well. Again, and that some of the chefs that are coming back, they tried the foundry in Manchester. Did like a country fried chicken poutine yeah. and like yeah, he had done that's a awesome. Tra- right. He'd done a traditional one in the past and yeah. So it was definitely some cool stuff. Awesome. Now we did mention a change of venue. Yes. This year. This year's going to be what Anheuser Anheuser Busch Brewery in Merrimack. Is that correct? 
Yeah, Anheuser-Busch Brewery um, down at the uh, Budweiser Brewery Experience in that area. Big open field, grass. We have the the full suite of InBev beer products. They're, they're looking at what they want to sell that day. We don't handle the alcohol they do. But for us, it gives us the ability to kind of scale up a bit. And the Fisher Cat Stadium was a great place to have it, but it was hard for us to add other events. And that's something we really, really want to do is to really, I like to say, French it up a bit. Sure. Right. Give more exposure to the culture because a lot of these people who are coming just come for the food. And I'd like to kind of show them there's a little bit more here than just that food. Real quick, before we touch upon that, because I kind of going down the end, I think that's a really important final piece of the puzzle, kind of how we tie this back into what our French identity is and mm-hmm. how we could use this festival to kind of promote and kind of maybe even change the narrative that's out there yeah. about what French Canadians are, whether or not we even exist in, in New Hampshire. <laughs> but real quick, we are still having the baseball game. That's still happening. That's right. That's right. So when's the that base- going to be? So the baseball game is uh, that Sunday, June 23rd, at I believe it's a 105 game. So the next day. So we're crazy. We're having two huge events in one weekend. <laughs> a couple things. We wanted to have it. Again, we want something in Manchester because I think Manchester is kind of the you know, I'm a Nashua guy. You know, there's a rivalry between the two cities, I guess, like in high school. But sure, um, it really is. That is really is where the, the history was the most documented and preserved. So I think that there should we should do something in the city that day. So, yeah. And, and also we're having <laughs> we're having a baseball team come down from Quebec of, of children. That's awesome. um, they're going to play a team from New Hampshire. Yeah. And um, that's the weekend they happen to want to come. So I'm like, okay, we can't, let's, when are you playing your game? We worked it out where they can go on the field with the players on that Sunday. So that'll be pretty cool. Okay. That's absolutely awesome. You, you, just switching back to what you had touched on before, tying this into the French Canadian identity. Cause I think you're right. I've, I've worked at the volunteer the past three uh, puts in mm-hmm. this. I think a lot of the people who are in attendance may not even know that the dish comes from Quebec. Correct. Uh, what do we do? What is your focus when it comes time to, to educate? I mean, first of all, do you set that out as a goal to educate them? This thing that everybody loves that's wicked cool, it's actually from Quebec. In the United States, you know, we're from here, so we know. People don't like things shoved in their face and forced. So sure. what I try to do, what we're going to try to, what we will be doing is kind of like easing into a little bit. So we'll have folks who are volunteers who have buttons say, I speak French in French. Sure. So you don't have to speak French, but if you do, you're welcome to speak it. All of our signage will be you'll be French and English, kind of like weave it in slowly. Um, <laughs> all of our messaging is in French. But again, it's like them just having in their face continuously. If we do it enough with enough events, they'll suddenly think that's the way it's supposed to be. Because as we get new generations in, they'll just see that that's, oh, that's always been the, the Quebec event. That's We've always had Poutine Fest, and it's always been, you know, half French, half English. Sure. So it's So, yeah, it's not like coming out and saying, hey, we're doing this. They don't know we're doing it. My kind of slide pitch with it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. Now for the really important information, what everybody's hanging out for. When are these tickets going on sale for New Hampshire Food Fest? Tickets go on sale March 23rd, 2019 at 10 a.m. nhpoutinefest.com. Okay. That's the only place you can get it. You got to go to nhpoutinefest.com? Well, there we are. You can find them on Eventbrite too, but we link right from our website. So we always we pitch the website because you can click and go right to it. You could also find it on Facebook. Facebook page is facebook.com/nhpoutinefest. Okay, we'll actually make sure to put links to all of this on our social media, especially for those who may be struggling to how to spell puts in because that's obviously super <laughs> important. How about the baseball game? For those who may want to go check out the baseball game, how are we getting tickets for that event? Sure. So the baseball game, um, tickets are going on. We don't have an on-sale date yet, 
Um, and we're probably going to put them on sale around the time of the poutine fest tickets. And again, that we put those on sale in March because it's during uh, the. And I'm going to. I I just can't do it right. The Francophonie, and that yeah, is the, inter, the month of international French um, celebration. There, so probably in March, we're all putting them all out in March, and those are will be available at um, the Franco American Center's website at um, facnh.com. Tremendous. So that's the big thing, everybody here. Make sure you get your tickets. Connect with the Franco-American Center so you can go to the baseball game. Now you can follow both the Franco-American Center and Putsin Fest. They have a separate Facebook page, correct? That's right. Different for each. Got to make sure to follow because that's where you get to get that update as early as possible to make sure you get your tickets on time. That's right. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, I got to thank again uh, my guest, Tim Bolio. Tim, I really hope you come on this program Many, 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 many times. You got a lot more to add that just puts in. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Definitely. It's it's kind of <laughs> funny. Actually, I mentioned it. I did a uh, recorded like preview of this podcast, and one of the things I talked about was that the narrative seems to have been for that the past thirty or forty years, the French Canadian heritage has been in kind of rapid decline, and that some will even tell you that is almost nothing remaining from those days of long past of little Canada's. But obviously, I don't believe it. Or else I'd be wasting mm-hmm. this time with this podcast, and clearly you don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's changing. It's coming back. A lot of a lot of hard work was put in by a lot of folks over the the decades. So we we uh, we're here to to keep that going. Yeah, and I bet you, again I'm gonna leave off with it, leave off with this. I guess I actually think it's a pretty exciting time to be a yeah, Franco American because I think the decisions the French Canadians are making now will impact, will determine what that culture will be in 20 years. And there is zero doubt in my mind that one of the more important voices in what this looks like for the next generation of French Canadians uh, in New England is Tim Bolio. So awesome! Really appreciate all you've done. Look forward to working with you a lot more on your project, and on this one, because I'm going to try to steal as much of your time as I can. (laughs) Okay, no problem. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, merci beaucoup. Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fclpodcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode. This program is recorded at the Conquer TV Podcasting Studio. The views and opinions expressed during this podcast are not necessarily those of Conquer TV. The producer is solely responsible for its content.